We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast sponsored by Draft, the only app offering daily fantasy snake drafts. It is Wednesday, January 11th. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. We are pleased to be joined by a special guest today. He is Anthony Slater of the Bay Area News Group. Anthony's in his first year on the Warriors beat after covering the Thunder for the Oklahoman for several years. We had a great chat with Anthony about his experience on both sides of the Kevin Durant saga. We discussed Draymond, what it's like to be around the NBA's most popular team on a day-to-day basis, and even snuck in some Justin Blackman talk. But it was an awesome discussion, covered a ton of topics around the league and, and around the Warriors. So without further ado, let's get to Anthony. All right, so we are pleased to be joined uh, by someone we've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. We're thrilled to finally have him on. He is Anthony Slater, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. Anthony, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate you uh, coming to join us on this Wednesday morning. 
Yeah, finally. Uh, you know, my bad about, uh, you know, not, not getting this done sooner, but uh, I'm happy to be on with you guys. No, I'm, I'm sure your, your schedule is far, far busier than ours uh, on a day-to-day basis, so no worries. But again, we're glad to have you on. So um, you went to school at Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, yeah. you live in, in Northern California now covering the Golden State Warriors, but where are you from originally? Northern California, actually, uh, the North Bay. Originally went to school my first two years at Sonoma State University, um, but I was looking to get into sports media, and I just uh, Googled good sports journalism programs, basically, and <laughs> after a, a search of a few, and, and I, I just, I don't know why Oklahoma State stood out to me, and I'd never even stepped foot in that state before, but I just kind of, I just did it, and yeah, I went to Oklahoma State for a few years, and actually ended up living in the state for about six years before now I have moved back to here. Hey, nothing wrong with Oklahoma, Anthony. I'm I'm actually from Tulsa myself. So, but what okay. what was the best thing about Stillwater? Because let's be honest, it is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. There's not a ton going on there, but you you spent a good portion of your life there. Three and a half years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's. I love Stillwater. I mean, I don't want to get too too deep into it, but um, <laughs> the the best thing about Stillwater is Oklahoma State. I mean, because that's really the only thing uh, about Stillwater. You take Oklahoma State out of Stillwater, it's nothing. <laughs> um, but I don't know the school pride, the um, athletic programs, and just kind of just how much they rally behind them. And I, you know, I just being out in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of relaxing in a way. It's just it's a different world, but it's. I couldn't live there now. I couldn't have lived there as a kid, I don't think. But if you're between the ages of 18 and 23, I think it's an awesome place to live. Yeah, I mean, I went to the University of Wisconsin, and, and Rotowire is based here in Madison. So I kind of know what you're talking about. I mean, I love living here now, but it's such a college town that. No, it's Stillwater's way different. Is it? Okay, it's yeah, way I've never different. Been out way there. different. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, actually, like, as we just said, you're an Oklahoma State grad. Uh, I'm a big Jacksonville Jaguars fan, so I do have to ask. Oh. Do you know what Justin Blackman is up to? I know The Ringer published a piece back in, I think, September that sounded like he's just kind of hanging out around Stillwater. Do you know what he's up to? Yeah, he's not around Stillwater. He's at Ardmore, which is okay. about three hours south of uh, Oklahoma City, which is four hours south of, of Stillwater. He's from there. I actually went to school with Justin, know him a little bit, um, just because just mutual friends basically covered him in college. Mm-hmm. It's a sad story. I mean, he he actually is a really good guy. He just had some demons that popped up really during his college career. Um, he is, from what I've heard, he's actually bouncing back and forth between uh, Ardmore and Dallas, and he's doing some personal training, and he's, I guess, trying to get back in shape. I think at this point his NFL career is out the window, basically. Uh, yeah, I which, think so. Which is crazy because i mean as a jaguars fan i'm sure you know like when he was eligible he was really good i mean he had some like 200 he was incredible yeah and... he was i mean he's like the only two-time belitnikoff winner in a while i haven't really looked at the list but damn, he was well, he, i, I mean he was better and... than des bryant at oklahoma state which is saying uh, a lot oh for sure i think it's him and crabtree mm-hmm. that might be the only two okay but um yeah i mean he talent was never an issue and really like like I said, a nice guy, but just, you know, some some stuff caught up to him. Everyone kind of knows about the mm-hmm. DUI problems and everything. And uh, Nobody really knows exactly what he's doing these days. He, he he remains a mystery, even though the ringer, like you said, did a whole big mm-hmm. piece on him. He, he still didn't even talk in it. I mean, I would love one day to either read a piece or even do a piece myself that really, like, got him to open up about what happened, but I'm not sure that will right. ever happen. 
So any good Mike Gundy stories from Cutler in Oklahoma State? Um, he would, you would always see him running around town, just like, you know, he, like physically running. (laughs) Yes. Physically running (laughs) super skinny guy. Like you guys wouldn't believe how skinny he is. Um, and he, yeah, you'd just be driving into at, you know, 11 AM to go to your class and he would just be on the strip, like just running, he would run around and everyone would, he just waved at people. Like he was just such the mayor of that town. And, uh, that was good. He he would do these really um, – I don't think he does it anymore, but when I was covering the team there, he every week he would take about four media members and, like, after he did his press conference, he'd walk way down the hall in their, like, sweet area and do these really uh, honest, sometimes on, sometimes off the record, like 30-minute sit-downs with about four media members. And, like, that was the first time I'd ever, like, covered a um, – a figure that was like super honest and interesting. And uh, that's what I always kind of appreciated about him. Anthony, if I'm not mistaken, your first gig in college was as a bullpen catcher for the softball team. How did you land yeah. that gig? Um, Google again, basically, right? Now, there was, <laughs> Google's been good to you. Yeah, right. Now, there was a website called hireosugrads.com or something like that. I just remember. Or I. I can't. I just remember going, searching on a site. I was. I had been in the um, state basically for about two days, and I just needed a job, and that popped up, and I was like, "That's interesting." So I went <laughs> down to their facility, and they had a. Um, their pitching coach was like a former uh, all-American pitcher, like a really good pitcher in college, and she took me out to like the field and said, "Look." you know, you have all these other jobs you have to do, but you have to be able to catch like a college pitcher. And like you guys, it's really hard. Like they're yeah, unbelievable. They got drop balls. They're going 70 miles an hour, but I played baseball and I, you know, I was like pretty good in high school. So I was like, all right, let's try it. And I went out there and like, I, I she chucked like 10 pitches at me. I mean, it was, it was really tough. I did it good enough that she's like, okay, yeah, like you, you met the requirements. So yeah, I did that for <laughs> basically long enough until like I, my job at the paper was kind of increasing to a point where I couldn't really stay on there anymore. So you were pretty young when you started on the Thunder beat. Um, I mean, was it intimidating at all to, to presumably be one of, if not the youngest member in a lot of locker rooms and media scrums? Um, in some ways, yeah, but it, it was such a good uh, market to start in and, and team to cover. I mean, obviously you had crazy personalities to deal with as far as like Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Perkins, some of those guys, but, um, Darnell Mayberry, who now is kind of on an editorial side of things. I was like working with him at the time. He was really good as far as kind of my progression. And I don't know, you just, you just kind of learn over time. Uh, these dudes are just, they're just guys. Some are cool. Some aren't, you know, some are easy to talk to. Some want to be left alone. Um, and, it wasn't it, – it was – I think it was a pretty easy transition to be honest. So do you think that being younger helped you connect with any of the young players at all, um, being that they were probably around the same age as you at the time? In some ways. I mean the advantage would be like they feel like – you know, I mean they feel like they're not talking to somebody that's just completely out of their generation. Right. Um, you know, I maybe we'll start talking about a show that we're both watching or um, – you know, an app that one of them is really interested in that I just happen to know, you know, what it has to do with where maybe a colleague that's 50 has zero clue. Mm-hmm. 
um, what what it's about. So I'm sure those little moments, yeah, have helped me connect with guys. So you decided to leave the Oklahoman uh, about a month after KD made his announcement on July 4th. Um, I mean, what went, what all went into that decision uh, to, to kind of follow KD to the Bay Area? Um, I just I got emailed um, or I got the Bay Area News Group kind of contacted me. I'd say maybe four or five days after Durant's decision. I th- I assume. Um, that a lot of what went into it was they were kind of looking for somebody who knew Durant and kind of had history. For me, I didn't, I wasn't really like looking to leave the Oklahoma and I loved it there, but my sports editor had just left. And with Durant leaving, I was now covering a team that was really in limbo. I mean, you guys remember everyone at that point was saying, you know, Westbrook, like is Westbrook even going to be there next year? Yeah, is this no, going to be sure, a, yeah. right. is this going to be, even be a lottery team? And um, I mean, it basically came down to my options were stay with the Thunder where you don't know, number one, if they're even going to be good next year. And even if they aren't, you know, down the road, they're they're definitely not a title contender anymore. Whereas then it was like, or you could go and cover the story of the right. sports world, basically. And you can basically guarantee you'll be covering a finals team. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't uh, I didn't know they reached out to you. So you, you kind of got recruited there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, so it was... It was a pretty easy decision when you like. Right. I was sad to leave the Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. Like I really did love it there, but I mean, when you laid it out on the table, it was a pretty easy d- decision. Right, especially being from that area, I would imagine that that makes it a little yeah, bit easier. Yeah, that too. Um, so you know, most people, most NBA fans saw you know the tweet from Ennis Cantor uh, back in August. You know, kind of, ch- oh. kind of chiding you with with the Photoshop on the KD Players Tribune letter. Um, obviously that was done, you know, in, in jest and it was pretty funny, but did you get much brushback from colleagues, people in the community, uh, you know, other players for, for leaving? I'd say colleagues. No, uh, not really because like they understood what I was walking into because they understand the business. So they understood yeah. like why I would do it. Um, players. Yeah. I mean, especially when the thunder came here that, you know, Ennis again was kind of joking with me, but I got a good relationship with him and, uh, Steven Adams. Uh, so no, but none of the, like you said, players, colleagues, I thought, you know, came with any kind of evil intent. Fans, yes. I mean, like you guys know how fans can be. They they went a little bit crazy about it. Um, I remember, so about a whoop, I'd say maybe a week after I had announced that I was going, I was still kind of finishing off my time at the Oklahoma and figuring I wasn't going to basically do anything because it, it was, what, mid-July? Yeah. But then Westbrook announced he was doing the extension and the team set up that crazy like pep rally press conference that they had with him. <laughs> and I was still at the Oklahoma for about three more days. Plus, it was like an interesting like event to cover. So I was like, yeah, I'll cover it. Um, and I went down there and I remember some old lady like, there he is, Anthony Trader. There he is. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even and think of that. Like, your, your name is kind of unfortunate, I guess, for that circumstance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like I had a bunch of people like, you know, nothing where I was like fearing for my safety or anything, right, but like, yeah. you know, people were definitely saying stuff to me. And then I even talked to Russ's brother and he was like, oh, you're re- you going to leave us like that? And I was like, geez, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so pretty simple question here, but it's, it's obviously pretty loaded. Um, at the time, did you think KD was actually going to leave Oklahoma City? No. Um, I, I mean, maybe like late July 3rd was probably the first time I was like, yeah, he probably is. Um, I really didn't at all after the playoffs. I mean, 
the way they came back in that Spurs series and won, the way they went up 3-1 on the Warriors, the way all those young pieces really started to look good. Adams, they even found a way to use Robertson. And then the way they went down in such, like, you know, heartbreaking fashion. And the fact that, in some ways, it was kind of Durant and Westbrook's fault, not the role players' fault in game six i mean they would have been in the nba finals if those two guys just closed the lead that they should have closed or if clay thompson doesn't go crazy with 11 threes so all of that combined with the fact that he kind of had this even if he didn't want to commit to the thunder long term which clearly at this point we know he didn't he had this one year like escape route where he could have just signed this you know one and one wrote it out one more time with westbrook to try to get revenge on the warriors or whoever try to win it all again one time in Oklahoma City. That was always what I thought he was going to do, and that was always what had been kind of indicated behind the scenes. Um, but it's, you know, what what happened happened in the Hamptons, and, I you know, obviously the recruiting effort was way before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up pulling the trigger. I, I still think it really came down to the wire with him. I You know, I think he really, you know, heartstrings were pulling him back and and he kind of was able to sever ties he clearly wanted to go to golden state i was just surprised he actually did it Mm -hmm. i think i think personally the brushback was worse for kd because he went to golden state i mean like you said joining the team that beat you in in heart-wrenching fashion in the western conference finals a team that already has three all nba guys like I, i think like had he gone to boston or miami or whatever you want to say like i don't i don't think people would have faulted him quite so much but uh i mean is it still bizarre to you to, to see him in a warrior's uniform I, I i really am not still used to it yeah i mean it's weird for me to be covering the warriors too it's no, it's sure. yeah i mean I, there was a moment early in the season like they're playing like the hawks and he was hit he hit a three over tabo cephalosha who's on the hawks and i was just like mm-hmm. this is just weird i'm covering kevin durant scoring on tabo uh <laughs> right <laughs> you know, in a Warriors Hawks game. And, you know, that, you know, I covered those two, obviously as Thunder teammates. And just, it seems like every game last night I was watching him face waiters and, uh, you know, in a heat uniform. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of weird how that era of Thunder basketball is just like pretty quickly just blown up where, you know, they're going to be facing Serge Ibaka and the magic coming up next right. week. It's just, it's strange. So obviously those KD and Russ OKC teams were very, I mean, they really were high profile, but this version of the Warriors is a whole nother level of fame. How has the day-to-day coverage of the Warriors been different than your days back with the Thunder? I think stuff can blow up more. You know, I I was expecting to walk into some like media circus where it was just hard to even like get questions in at times, but at least to this point, it hasn't like at all been like that. But the, the thing about this team is like, everything they say potentially will just like turn into a major story where in Denver, there was like two reporters who actually made the preseason trip to Denver, but then we're there. And I remember I asked Draymond green, like, you know, in a completely super private setting, basically half the practice had already cleared out. There's only like one other person there. And I asked him about the blowback that Durant was getting. And he just went on this rant about Paul Pierce and, (laughs) um, you know, about Google and Apple. I don't know if you guys might remember the yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you put it out there and then suddenly that's what everyone's talking about for a right. day. Um, and there's just a lot of moments like that. You know, Steve Kerr's probably said six things this season, including, remember he talked about the marijuana. He yeah. kind of went in about Donald Trump. Like, those two guys say a lot of things 
Draymond and Steve Kerr, everything Kevin Durant says is under a microscope. So there's a third guy. Curry's a megastar. Clay Thompson's just kind of Clay Thompson. He he doesn't really get in the headlines that much. But you got four really you know huge figures that whatever they say is like kind of will just get eaten up by the country so i think that's been the difference as far as like it really hasn't been that crazy around them it's just directly around them but then there's like kind of this bubble of the world that's always interested in what's going on with them yeah no no for sure so um let's get into a little more warriors talk the first thing i have to ask you how in the world is Zaza Pachulia currently in position to start the All-Star game next month? Wycliffe uh, John and the, the <laughs> country of Georgia. No, I get last year. Isn't he from he, Haiti or something? Like, how is he involved in this? I, You know, I the full, full story is, I think, a little bit complicated. But, I mean, I think it basically comes down to Zaza has a friend who knows Wycliffe. And, like, so I think they're kind of mutually know each other. And sure. as Georgia was on some, like – you know, hey, let's let's vote Zaza Pachulia in last year. Then suddenly Wycliffe sent out this video that was basically like he's on the piano and he's like singing about get Zaza Pachulia in the all-star game. And then he got all these <laughs> – he just got this massive flood of votes. And then suddenly it's out there and you guys know how the internet and like internet trolls work that when the, when the votes came out and said Zaza Pachulia right next to like Kawhi Leonard – then instead of peop- that making people want to say, hey, let's, oh, we better not vote for Zaza. It was like, yes, this is hilarious. Let's <laughs> vote for Zaza. And so he got another bump. So it's like Georgia, Internet Trolls, that yep. Wyclef video. And that was last year. And I think he came within like 12,000 of, of yeah. beating out Kawhi Leonard uh, for uh, for the spot. This season, obviously, everyone knows how the NBA has changed its uh, right. voting, where the players are getting 25%, the media is getting 25 So he won't get in this season. But voting I mean, he might, voting-wise, be in that top three just yeah. because that's just, like, the thing to do now. I mean, how many t- now, if he has a good play, the entire Warriors fan base, just because mm-hmm. it's funny to them, is tweeting out, Zaza Pachulia hashtag <laughs> NBA vote. Well, that's the thing. So. Like, I, I do wonder, you know, under the the past circumstances, as far as you know, starters being a hundred percent fan vote, like there's a pretty decent chance that if that was still the the format, he would be starting. And I, I w- it's interesting to see, like, would the NBA step in? Um, well, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's up like a hundred thousand on Kawhi when the first returns came out. Well, what would be interesting is if um, he knocked Draymond Green out of the game, right? Because Draymond Green's a guy, he can say he doesn't care that much, but Dray- if, yeah. if Draymond Green had to sit at home for the All-Star game God. knowing his center, who he's quite <laughs> right. clearly better than uh Well, that's debatable. Yeah, right. Wyclef, maybe. You well, can the, debate that one. But Well, and the other thing uh, is, like, this affects contracts, too. You know, I mean, there's guys that yeah. have All-Star incentives, and uh, and I think that's kind of part of why the league probably wanted to standardize a little bit more. It's a it's a good change by the league yeah, for sure, course, but yeah. um, it would be very interesting if if it hadn't been and Zaza got in. All right, we're almost halfway through the season. The Warriors right now thirty three and six. They didn't lose their sixth game last year until March. Do you get the sense that they're happy with where they're at right now? Yeah, I think they're happy that that it's. I mean, the the story around this team is not seven. Oh, you know, seventy three wins and uh, chasing wins records, and it's like really they're like going after wins every night um it has and they've said this really since media day that like it's an experimental season Draymond Green was talking about being happy the other night when they blew that lead to the Grizzlies because now he can like basically yell at people about stuff he says has been going wrong <laughs> even in wins um he's right so 
and then they are 33 and six. Like that's a really good record as everyone knows. Um, so they have three issues right now. The turnovers, which it's, I mean, that's pretty common for this team. Just the way with that Curry can kind of get loose with the ball. Sometimes Durant too. And, um, they play this up and down pace, but in all of their losses, basically they've had at least 18, 19 ish turnovers, which isn't a good number. So they know they have to keep those down. They're about, I think they're the 24th best defensive rebounding team in the league. So just, they all they get killed on the offensive glass, especially in losses this season in Cleveland. They did in the opener against San Antonio. So those are their two kind of um, recurring issues that they're trying to shore up. And then the third one is just the fourth quarter problem that's kind of sprung a leak, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. You saw it on Christmas, and really in that Memphis game with Draymond yelling at Kevin Durant. But they just are trying to get break Durant kind of of that isolation problem and maybe hand the ball to Curry more in crunch time and, and try to figure that out. But the problem is they don't face that much crunch time because they blow so many right. teams out. Yeah, I mean, I read a stat yesterday that they're, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of you know, plus-minus in the fourth quarter, and so much of that is you know, it's Ian Clark and Patrick McCaw out there instead of you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson in a lot of games. Um, but, but kind of going back to that end-of-the-game incident, on Thursday against Memphis, most people have probably seen, uh, we're either watching the game or have seen the highlight by now. Um, but to just kind of walk through it, you know, Curry's holding the ball, you know, out near half court, looking like he's going to set up a pick and roll. Durant basically claps for it. Curry somewhat reluctantly gives it to him, and you can see kind of Draymond just kind of slumps to the corner and says, you know, like here we go. And and just as I think he predicted, Durant goes one on one, bricks a three, um, and of course, you know, as you alluded to, anything like that's going to blow up with this Warriors team. Uh, but my question is, are the Warriors still Steph Curry, you know, the two-time defending unanimous MVP? Are they still his team? And and if not, were they ever Steph's team? I mean, has he really – have you gotten the sense that he is or was the leader of this team? Yeah, I mean, like Draymond is definitely the vocal, right. uh, the most vocal in the locker room. Iguodala, I think, ha- plays an important role behind the scenes. And Curry's Curry. I mean, he's the f- – Every road arena you go to has more Steph Curry jerseys than like any other jersey home or road combined. I mean, you, it's unbelievable. I remember being in Indianapolis and like basically the entire crowd was in Steph Curry jerseys. But um, so he, I mean, like you kind of mentioned it there, but I don't think he ever really was like this massive leader of the team. But Durant's de- definitely taking some of his shine. Um, as far as, you know, people want to talk Under Armour, Nike, whatever. But, I mean, Durant became the story for the first, you know, month and a half of the season. Durant's been their best player, I'd say, overall, especially with the way he's shot blocking. But Curry's kind of getting back to himself offensively, I'd say, the last week and a half or so. Basically, since the Christmas game, when it all culminated with, like, he only had 11 shots, 15 points. He was really bad in that game. Um, Kerr took him out on the last defensive possession. He got a lot of criticism. Then Curry did what he never does, and he came out and was basically saying, hey, I want the ball more, I want more pick and rolls. And when he, I think because of how what a good guy he is and how he never does something like that, then I think Steve Kerr really kind of realized that, hey, you know, we have this, you know, generational superstar that, that he's acting kind of like he's a Tim Duncan, he's a Steve Nash, but, hey, we, you know, he's kind of calling for the ball. That means it's really bothering him a lit a bit and, and since then he's got the ball a lot more and um he just won player of the week for the first time this year and that's usually kind of a good gauge of, of mm. how good he was in that past week i think he had 35 40 30 um so 
We'll see. He's getting back to his aggressive ways, but no, I mean, I don't think he's like some vocal leader of this locker room. The Thunder and the Warriors play each other about a week from today, but I'm a little more concerned about when the Warriors head to Oklahoma City. What kind of reaction do you think KD is going to get from his previously home crowd? Do you remember uh, LeBron when he went back to Cleveland the first time? Sure do. That that would you be think it's going to be that bad? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is. See the thing about the thing about LeBron going back to Cleveland is like ownership and like game ops were complicit in it. You know, like they were all for like trashing LeBron. Like are the Thunder, you know, are the is Thunder ownership and you know Sam Presti and those guys like are they going to be all for bashing KD? Like I don't get that. I don't get that. No, so, I mean you, I don't you would think... know better than us. No, I don't think they're going to, like, put up videos that's like, you know, boo the traitor. Well, you right. know, I don't know what Cleveland did. I, I think they're basically going to step into the background and say, hey, we're, we didn't tell them to do anything or not do anything. They're just doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of – it's not that he left. I mean, you guys mentioned earlier, it's number one, where he went to, the Warriors, how he did it, which, you know – it's kind of been publicized about him just texting Russell Westbrook and kind of slipping out the back door. And, you know, he just kind of sent up that thing on Players Tribune and I didn't do a ton after that. He's done so much for that community. He's going to get his jersey retired, I think, a decade from now. And mm-hmm. um, it should be put in perspective for a lot of people what I mean, that's going to be the best eight years in Thunder history, probably for a long time. Yeah. Um, and he will be the marquee player for that state, that community. He's already in the state Hall of Fame, not the sports Hall of Fame. He was literally inducted into the entire state Hall of Fame at 27, the youngest inductee in history. So, But that's kind of what makes it burn deeper for these people and the wound's still fresh, number one. And I think why it's, they're gonna, he's going to get booed so loudly is, look, if, if Russell Westbrook just left and they were just bad, I think the fan base – I don't want to say maybe cheered him, but like they, it wouldn't be that big a deal because they would just kind of look back on it like, hey, that era is over and, you know, it's kind of sad, but we look back on it fondly. Instead, Russell Westbrook came back. He really rallied the fan base, and now he's like, they're living in Russell Westbrook's revenge tour too right now. They kind of have this, uh, you know, mindset, you know, we'll screw Kevin Durant too because, you know, we're going to come after him anyway. It's just because that's Russell Westbrook's mindset. Everyone watches him play every night, and it's almost like, He's thinking about Kevin Durant even when he's playing the Wizards or something. You know what I mean? He's just on this one-man wrecking crew. And I just think the fans have gotten behind that. And that's just kind of how Kevin will be viewed when he goes in there. And I I think it's going to be a wild environment. It's an ABC Saturday night, I think like an 8.30 tip. Yep. Um, And it's the Warriors anyways. I mean, it's a big game. It'll be the first time they're in there since that game six, which is like, just franchise altering in so many ways so uh i expect it to be riled up and i I, it's gonna be a lot of booing i would expect probably some like you know cupcake shirts basically i know that's become the big thing around there (laughs) so Uh, so so you think it it maybe makes it worse for kd you know that the thunder are still pretty good you know still a playoff caliber team with russ i think if if he's if we're talking strictly about the reaction uh for sure because that fan base is like rebellious right now because their star is you know what right, i mean right. like they're they're confident like if they just became a if he left because he said you know kevin left i'm leaving and they became like an eight you know 23 win lottery team they just there wouldn't be a ton of confidence in the fan base and they would just be sitting there saying oh man like 
I just remember the good old days and they would be like kind of reminiscing on right. what was like they will be like I said when he's getting his jersey retired 10 years from now mm-hmm. they'll be thinking about how awesome this era is yeah. but for right now they're still like you know we're playoff contenders and, and mm-hmm. Russell's here and you know and think about it's not just that Russell Westbrook came back and rallied them it's think about the stuff he's done with the the photographer outfit and right, the ba- right. the way he's basically shunned Durant for for making the move without mm-hmm. coming out publicly and straight saying it he's basically hinted to his fans yeah. like hey you know whatever with this guy so I, that that to me is, is why it'll be such a big reaction for him. See, I would have thought the opposite. You know, I would have thought you know the Thunder being a pretty decent team and Russ, you know, doing what he's doing this year would kind of soften the blow for KD. It's like you look at that, you know, that LeBron situation going back to Cleveland. Like the Cavs went from being a sixty-one win team to a nineteen-win team, and and I kind of thought you know like you know just them you know wallowing in pity basically would, would kind of make it worse for LeBron. I mean the Cavs. That Cavs team started seven and ten. You know they were supposed to be awful, and they obviously ended up being awful. But they were seven and ten when LeBron came in there with the Heat. You know they they win by thirty. LeBron goes for thirty eight, and after that, I think that just sucked the will out of the Cavs. I mean they they lost thirty six of their next thirty eight uh, after that game. Obviously, this Thunder team is better than that, but uh, uh, it's going to be really really interesting to see uh, that reaction. I I mean I, I like Kevin Durant. I think most people still like Kevin Durant as a basketball player, but I don't know if he's going to be quite ready for what that fan base has uh, in store for him. Last question on KD. Is he going to get a video tribute? No, I don't think he will that night. They've actually never given – like Scott Brooks came back recently. They didn't – when Kendrick Perkins came back, they just have um, showed them on the big screen and said, like, please welcome back uh, Scott Brooks. (laughs) I don't Uh, know if that's going to work this time. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's weird. Like, I – I would think a video tribute, especially for a guy like Kevin Durant, because he means so much more than Kendrick Perkins or, right. or Scott Brooks or even Serge Ibaka, who I know went back this season. Um, but that's almost setting it up. You know, yeah, you, if I you have, put three minutes of Kevin Durant on, do you want your crowd just like violently booing right. for three minutes? I don't know. It's it's got to me. It is going to be interesting to see how the Thunder organization handles it. Yeah, you know, does Sam Presti come out and maybe do an interview beforehand, like really? talking about how, how great Kevin was and how he thinks he should get you know cheered. Right. Probably not. Um, I Like I said, I just think they're going to slip on in the background, probably in pregame warm-ups cause he, or uh, introductions when he gets announced. They're like, please welcome back, you yeah. know, forward Kevin Durant, and then he's just going to get booed. Right, the, the, PA, <laughs> the PA stuff is always hilarious. You know, like, look, you know, if you watch an old a video of, you know, LeBron getting introduced when he was with the Cavs before, you know, it's this huge deal. There's fireworks, they're – you know, from Akron, Ohio. And then yeah. he, he comes back with the heat. It's at forward, number six, LeBron James. <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. Just, just try to get it over with as soon as they can. And I'm, I'm sure that's how it'll go with KD. Yeah. Then maybe a please welcome back. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, people <laughs> yeah. already please, booing please by the time back. it's it pleases none. If, yeah. if you want so. to welcome him back, here yeah, he is. It's your choice. Uh, so full disclosure on this next question. Chris Vernon uh, asked the same question to Tim Bontemps uh, of the Washington Post on the Ringer podcast recently, but we thought it was really good, so we want to ask you as well. When you were in Oklahoma, you knew who all of the Warriors were, but now that you're around them night in, night out, of which player on the roster has your opinion changed the most? Um, probably Draymond. Okay, that's because yeah. he's like really smart, and I mean, obviously, he's like really good for business. Like, don't get me wrong. There's he'll rant sometimes, and but 
I guess I understand it more. I mean, because his act, I think, to a lot of people can get kind of tired. But um, when you're around him every day, I don't know. It's just he's interesting. And, and I kind of like the fact that I'd say with most athletes, um, especially, you know, I've dealt with Kevin a lot over time where they'll say something one day and then, like, they'll see the reaction it has and how it kind of blew up at SportsCenter and their segments on it or the league is reacting to it. And then the next day they either, like, just backtrack or just don't want to talk about it and they're kind of frustrated with the reaction draymond just like doubles down he'll like go after the <laughs> nba and then the nba is like responding to him and then he'll just like come up like hey slater get over here i want to double down on this again today and like he'll he'll go even harder against it and it's just that dude just like doesn't fear the league doesn't fear any anything and he, he's just really fun to cover to be honest and um i'm not saying i didn't have any type of like bad opinion of him in oklahoma city i just didn't really understand uh like the method behind a lot of the stuff he does and now that i'm around him every day i can kind of just see why he is how he is and and how he's made himself from a kind of like chubby non-prospect to like a you know a league changing like small ball forward slash center and maybe Draymond's the answer to this question as well, but was there a player on the Warriors roster who you had misconceptions about that, you know, you found out have since been proved wrong or, or maybe been proved right? Um, no, I mean, I, I can talk about Draymond, like you said, probably would be who I sure. would talk about normally on that answer. But, uh, you know, Steph's a, a really good guy, I guess. And, like, I don't know, sometimes from the outside you can be like, you know, that whole thing with, you know, the way Aisha and, and the way they kind of sculpt this, like, brand of Steph Curry, you might just think is, like, fake in a sense. But then, you know, when you're around him every day, you can have some conversations with him. Like, he just, he really is a genuinely great guy. Um, so, I, I like I said, I don't want to say it was, like, a misconception or anything, but, misperception, but he... He's maybe he's may I've gained more respect. I get, but that's with anyone. I guess when you get to know anyone, it's just um, you kind of know understand how they tick and why they are like they are. You knew we weren't gonna let you off the hook without asking you about Javale McGee. So we got to ask: Is he as crazy as you know he's made out to be? Um, he's funny. Um, he'll he'll just sit there and you know he'll be shooting lefty hook shots after practice, and he does still do those goofy things. All all the players love him. That's what's been interesting to me this season. Like everyone on that team swears by him. They almost too much to where he, when he comes in, they just they're trying to throw lobs at basically every time because they just they think it's it's like using a new toy they got. But um, he's. He's kind of interesting and like he's like techy. He's kind of um, smart in a quirky way, but then also like is is very goofy. I'd say a good Javel story I got would be um, he was coming at like the Warriors practice facility has this like security area where there's like a work table and next to it there's this huge um, kind of like painted uh, I don't I guess you could say like sculpture of the new arena that's going up in San Francisco. And, it, you know, it's obviously completely fake. It's not a real picture because the arena doesn't even exist. But he came over to the picture and was, like, really looking in depth in it. <laughs> and then he turned to the security guy. He's like, that's crazy, bro. They got real people here, too. <laughs> and it's just like he's just kind of in his own world at all times. Oh, man. Um, it's, 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I think just the way he talks too, like it kind of plays into that. Just just like the sound of his voice. But no, that's hilarious. Um, so Christmas Day was the Cavs' fourth straight win over Golden State. They play again in Oakland on Monday. Obviously, that's going to be huge. Uh, in your mind, is there anything to this notion that Cleveland has some sort of you know mental advantage over the Warriors, especially when they're playing at the Q? Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, it just seems like the Warriors at times can be a little too riled up, like the Draymond Green getting two fouls in that technical within like right. two minutes of that game start, and you could just he wouldn't do that if it was a Bucks game. Um, so I think sometimes they just. They they're getting overly fired up and and you know I think that really burned them down the stretch of that game and, and the way Steph Curry kind of struggled in that series he was completely he hadn't been super aggressive all season but I'm not like he didn't take one Steph Curry like shot in that Christmas game where it was like off the dribble threes or anything like that so I think like you said maybe the the Q has something to do with that I I'd like to see them on Monday come out super aggressive. And then, um, you know, if they, if they can if they can beat this Cavs team in, in Oracle where you'd expect they'll be favored, maybe they can exercise that a little bit. It'll be interesting if it's a close game with the, in the last five minutes because that, I think, is in their head a little bit as, as well as the Cavaliers. It's just how they've been bogged down down the stretch. So how they react to that will be interesting to watch. You know, the players and the coaches, they can go on and on about how this is just another game in, in the course of an 82-game season. But have you really gotten a sense, you know, maybe after, after that loss on Christmas Day, that they do care about this matchup in particular more so than the other games on the schedule? Yeah, it's human nature. I mean, think about it. I st- I'm still sitting here referencing the Christmas game probably like four times in this <laughs> podcast where I'm not like, hey, that Raptors game in, you know, in, in November. What happens off that game, like, shapes – the narratives for like three weeks, four weeks, a month, yeah. basically until they play again. Um, so, yes, I mean they they understand that, and especially the Christmas game because everyone knows what, what big stage that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, but they also understand that win or lose, like the th- what will really define what's said about them and how they feel about this season will be will be in May and June, regardless mm-hmm. of what happens next week. So I think this started to creep in, you know, when when the finals rematch happened last year, uh, you know, this suggestion that that Warriors Cavs is the best rivalry in the NBA certainly now, but I think there's a belief that it might be the best NBA rivalry since Lakers Celtics in the 80s. Uh would you agree with that? I mean, I think they're lining up to play that many times. I think there was more like hatred within rivalries within random ones. Like, you know, remember Pacers Pistons back yeah. in the day that obviously ended up bubbling <laughs> into, I think something might've happened there. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, or I don't know, Bulls Pistons. I mean, I was obviously right. super young at the time, but, uh, you know, those will be mentioned Lakers Kings, Lakers Blazers when it was the Shaq teams. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's like, I think good rivalries where maybe there was actually more real hatred between the teams. But the thing is, like, not only have these two teams played twice in a row in these, like, great, thrilling finals, but they're lining up, it looks, to play at least, what, one, two, three, four more times. Right, right. So that, just the highest stage and playing repetitively, if if that is how we're describing rivalries, then, yeah, this is the best in a long time. I think part of it, too, is they're just, I mean, you mentioned those other ones, you know, those are mostly interconference rivalries. You know, they've never really been on the biggest stage, like, 
it's hard to really say like you know there, there aren't that many other candidates I guess you know like Heat Spurs you know for a couple years there when LeBron was still in Miami was big but you never really got the sense that those teams disliked each other you didn't have you know the Draymond type of characters you know guys who will kind of stir the pot um, you know obviously Lakers Celtics was kind of rekindled at the end of the, the 2010s uh, but I, I think this kind of has to be it, and especially if they play a third time, uh, just with the amount of star power on these these two teams. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, so, so much has been made of the, you know, the college atmosphere that, that LeBron specifically has brought to the Cavs since returning. I know Richard Jefferson was on a podcast uh, with Mark Stein of ESPN last week talking about this, and, and it really does seem genuine. Uh, do you get the sense that the Warriors have, have established a similar culture? And, and if so, has that changed at all with the addition of Durant? Um, I think that, you know, I can kind of relate to what I was covered with the Thunder and then what I'm covering now. I don't know if college atmosphere is the right word, but like really laid back, um, here in Golden State. I mean, like just blasting every time you, you walk up to, and you're waiting to, to walk into practice, you can hear them in there for, I don't know, 20 minutes and like it's mid practice and they got just songs blasting. Um, as they're playing and there's always people walking around it's kind of like a frantic environment and, you know sometimes there's post-game beers in the locker room that some of the guys are drinking and it's just more uh, there's just so many vet- veterans that know themselves know the league so well on the team I mean, we're talking David West Pachulia you know all the stars are basically comfortable in their own skin and um, it's just kind of creates this like they work hard but they're I mean it and it's and it's who um, runs the team. I mean, Steve Kerr is such a he. He kind of cultivates that environment so well because he was around. You know, obviously he played on those Bulls teams back in the day and the Spurs, and um, he's just kind of really a chill guy. So it is. I don't think it's similar to the Cavs environment because I think being around the Cavs on that Christmas game and just like otherwise on little stopping points while I've covered the NBA, like LeBron kind of has this like dictatorship around that team. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you can just kind of feel that he is the one that, like, everything in the organization runs through. Where, when you're around the Warriors, there's such a balance of power where it's like, okay, you got Kerr over here, Bob Myers. Obviously, everyone knows Joe Lacob is the owner. But you can kind of just feel there's a lot of power between guys. Curry has his own brand. Durant's now here. And, and Draymond is is this vocal dude that's not taking basically slack from anyone. So, to me, I think there's, like, a healthy balance of power within the organization and that's just kind of the vibe i get last question before we move into rapid fire here anthony will the warriors make any roster tweaks before the deadline and maybe of course the question that's been going around do they need to make any roster tweaks before the deadline i think they need to get a wing or guard and drop one of their centers they got seven centers right now and a lot of times they don't even play one. I mean, Draymond's playing center in important moments. So, at this point, Anderson Vergeau is is use, useless. Um, James Michael McAdoo, I, he's younger, so you could say, hey, maybe he has a future. But I t- most people would think he's not really an NBA player. So, they should turn one of those guys or maybe two of them into a winger guard because a lot of they have such little depth. Like last night, they didn't have Clay Thompson, and if. You know, if they had another injury, they would have been really thin. I mean, they had to start Patrick McCaw, and um, they've had, they've been having to have Livingston playing mop up duty. So they just need to get a, a guard or wing. If that's a D league guy, if that's a go out and see if you can get like a Mario Chalmers, a Lance Stevenson, or something um, on just like the free agency market right now. 
But I don't think like a big like hey they traded for Kyle Korver type mm-hmm. move there because number one they're not taking on any money for beyond this season because they can I mean because you know they got Curry's going to be a free agent Durant not only is a free agent but they don't have his bird rights so um, no money beyond this season and they don't really have assets they don't have their first round pick coming up and they don't want to trade anybody that's in the rotation right now and beyond people that are at the rotation. Nobody, no other team wants anyone that's not in the Warriors right. rotation. I I don't even know if it's like is Lance Stevenson like legally able to play on the same roster as Javale McGee. I could not imagine <laughs> that being uh, a strong mix. But I mean, like you said, this is kind of the the price you pay, I guess, when you assemble these superstar heavy teams. I mean, those first Miami teams were you know LeBron, Wade, Bosh, Chalmers, and then all of a sudden it's Eric Dampier, you know, Big Z guys like that. It, it certainly limits the options you have on the free agency market. Yeah, for sure. Um, I th- that's why I think the the right move and I, that they should make is probably to go into the D League, use their scouting that they like so much that identified a guy like Ian Clark, and go try to find another Ian Clark, basically a guy that you could have cheap labor the next three four years, and 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 you think you can go and develop into a rotation player like they have with Clark, because. This team is about to get so expensive with, with the new money. I mean, Curry's about to get his mega max, which is going to be about thirty-six million a year. Durant's available. You know, he could probably he can get thirty-six million a year. There's talk of him maybe taking a little haircut to be able to keep Livingston and Iguodala around. But if he doesn't, and those guys are gone, and then when Draymond and Clay Thompson come up and they're up for big money, like they're going to need guys that are basically making like nine hundred thousand minimum yeah. deals. So. I think they should use their available roster spots right now, which basically I'm talking about Vergeau and McAdoo cutting them, um, to try to get a Jonathan Simmons type out of the D-League. And then suddenly for three, four years, you got a minimum uh, you know, rotation player. Rotowire NBA podcast is sponsored by Draft, the snake draft platform, where your chances of winning are three times better than on FanDuel or DraftKings. We already know you love fantasy, so we know you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long league. On Draft, it's draft day every day. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one day, and they take only minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free, or better yet, play for money. Get this, your chances of winning money on Draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning money on FanDuel or DraftKings. If you're playing fantasy for money and not spending hours a day doing it, you absolutely should be playing on Draft. DJ and I just did a couple drafts yesterday before the podcast. We did a couple last night as well. It was a ton of fun. Join us. Download Draft now. Just search Draft, D-R-A-F-T, in the App Store, and it'll come up first right on the top. Be sure to enter our promo code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, all one word. When you download the app, you'll get up to 100% bonus when you deposit. Limit on that is $600. Again, just search Draft, D-R-A-F-T, in the App Store, be sure to enter that promo code ROTOWIRE. All right, let's finish up with our rapid fire round from past experience. This has been not rapid at all, but we'll try it. We'll try anyway. Let's kick it off with favorite NBA player of all time. Oh, man. Um, Alonzo Mourning. I was a Heat fan growing up. I know that's Alonzo kind of random. Morning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to like it. some of my favorite players growing up because I was I was a Heat fan for uh, you know those days. Eddie Jones, Brian Grant, Anthony Mason had a good year there, but 
Alonzo Mourning was like the heat for a while, mm-hmm. especially when I was like younger. So I'd say him. All right. Name something about Zaza Pachulia that most people wouldn't know. Um, would most people know how big his head is? I mean, he's probably got like an eight <laughs> hat. He's, he, it, it's, it's stunning. Um, beyond that, he is, oof, that's a good one. He plays for the Georgian national team, like every single season or every summer. Mm-hmm. Like he goes back there and still plays in Georgia. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, he he loves that. I know when the Bucks uh, got their new court installed, you know, when they did the rebrand with the new uniform. Oh, that's like a good he, one. Yep. He bought their old court to to donate back to yep. a, a gym in in Georgia. That's a that's a great one right there. That that's that's my thing. People don't know what he just right. said right there. <laughs> all right, all right, well, we'll give you that one. Um, so this this question is becoming increasingly harder as the season goes along, but we're still going to continue to ask it. What's the most underrated team in the NBA right now? Ooh, um, I still think the Jazz, potentially. Um, Yeah, I mean, their defense, I don't know that they're, I don't think they're a title contender, but they're just, they're just tough, unpleasant to play. To me, they're just like a better, younger version of the Grizzlies. Okay, we'll flip this question on its head. Who's the most overrated team in the NBA right now? Ooh, um, the Celtics. I mean, I, I don't know, I just... I know Isaiah Thomas is, you know, he's having such a great year. I just, I don't see them as like a legit threat. And I think people will kind of want to push them that way in the East. But I don't, I think Horford's declining and they just gave him like, he's in the first year of a big deal. So I'd go with Boston. All right. Favorite non-Warriors team to watch on League Pass? I still enjoy watching the Thunder just because I know the guys so well. I know Ennis and Steven Adams like really well. And then obviously Everyone loves watching Russell Westbrook, so I probably wouldn't say that if Westbrook had gone and they were, like I said, a 23-win team. But, I mean, he, he's must-see TV on, on basically a nightly basis. All right, so this always seems to happen when a team you know, gains popularity. The, the, the uniform variations start to come out. So what is your favorite uh, uniform that the Warriors use, whether it's a current or a throwback? I like the Christmas uniforms for basically everyone Those this were year. Great, I don't know right? about you yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Orlando Magic pinstripe ones. I mean, they don't even really wear those that much, but I no, just not too much. Those are those are great uniforms. I really like the the ones that say the city on the front. Um, I don't know. I don't know if those are the same ones that have like the subway car number. Yeah, the train car yeah, are definitely yeah, yeah. my favorite. The, I like the those. trolley. Yeah, the, I, I, yeah, I always associate those with Baron Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are nice. The Warriors got a few nice yeah. ones. I don't. I'm not in for the sleeve jerseys. I don't really no, like sleeves. I do wonder if they'll bring back like the, I guess I would describe them as like the Eric Dampier era, you know, like the the Curry's rookie year jerseys, basically yeah. the ones they had before these. I mean, they're, maybe they're a little too, uh, too recent to bring back as a throwback. But I think in, in ten years those will be looked on as as kind of a cool one to to bring back. Yeah, the uh, they've been wearing the Run TMC era ones this yeah. season. Yeah, those are. Nice I actually, here. yeah, those are nice. All right, as of right now, who is your MVP of the whole league? James Harden. Um, I think it's. I think him and Westbrook have separated themselves. Yep. But Harden's team has a better record, and and he's got him. I think two out of three times in the head-to-head matchup. So um, Harden by a slim but kind of widening margin over Westbrook, and then I think it's a it's a pretty big gap, and then I think it's you know Durant and LeBron are kind of lingering in the background if both of those two teams kind of falls off, which is possible. Yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable how many guys if you look at straight numbers 
like would have maybe won an MVP if you want to go back to like what 06 when when Nash won his and not to take anything away from Steve Nash but he was basically averaging like 16 and 11 and I mean if you look at what a guy like Jimmy Butler is even doing this season you know, yeah like 27 5 and 5 like a season like that would win an MVP a lot of years I mean and Jimmy Butler might not even be in the top five or even in the top 10. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's along with – I mean, the offenses right now are just exploding crazy, with crazy. threes and layups and just everything. So that has a lot to do, I think, with yeah, numbers. But sure. nobody can deny what Harden and Westbrook are doing. All right, NBA champions, Warriors or the field? I'd probably say the Warriors still at this point. I just – the talent's unbelievable. I think they'll work out the kinks in the fourth. And, you know – it's funny, every day we're talking about blemishes with this team, but it's like 33-6. and six. They're doing that anyways, so um, I would still say them. Although that, I mean, to me, Warriors in the field is still kind of like a 50-50 proposition. Yeah, I, I think I've wavered a little bit. I mean, I, you know, at the start of the season, I would have said Warriors for sure. They haven't looked quite as dominant, but I still think that's a safer bet. Uh, all right, best jersey in your closet, NBA or otherwise? Um, Man. A, I got like a Juan Dixon Maryland jersey. It's like, it, oh, wow. that was most random. I don't know if that's best, but that's, that's a good one. Random. That's, that's a, a good one. A lot better than that. That's by far the best answer we've gotten yet, I think. Okay. Um, Dan Marino throwback I got. Okay. Dolphins? Ricky Williams Dolphins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both wow. Dolphins. Yeah. Um, you Ricky were, Williams. you really were a Miami guy back in the day. Yeah. Super random, right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, who didn't. It, I mean, those Miami teams were, were hard to dislike, whether it's the Heat. I mean, were you like a Miami Hurricanes guy too? Yeah, kind of. Um, they were the coolest team from yeah. about 2000 to 2006. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't as big into college then. I, I mm-hmm. kind of got after I went to Oklahoma State. But, yeah, I mean, I, everyone kind of loved the U. I mean, they, they became a nationwide brand for a while. Oh, for sure. All right, we're going to loop back in Stillwater in this rapid-fire round. Eskimo Joes in Stillwater, Oklahoma, overrated or underrated? Um, overrated there, I think, a little bit, to be honest, but I don't even want to say that publicly. So. Yeah, you got to be careful. You can't go back to Stillwater. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Do you still have um, one of their shirts? I got, or- I, got their, I got a few of their cups. I don't okay. have any shirts. But um, they have, like, these cups you can go – get and i probably have like four of them in my kitchen right now yeah so, you guys gonna have to explain to me what's this, going on here just just like an, an insider Oklahoma this is thing. just like a bar grill in Stillwater, and for whatever reason they sell these shirts and all these random colors it's the same thing but it just like swept over oklahoma and you like weren't cool unless you were wearing eskimo joe shirts and they're not cool shirts at all but it seems like everybody had them back in the it's day just like a like a hard rock cafe Type of situation. Yeah, like a Stillwater version of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's like two blocks from Gallagher Arena and the and Boom Pickens, okay. you know, the football stadium and it's just this big double, you know, two uh, two story bar that yeah. everyone it's it's super popular. That's why I kind of said overrated around there. But like I said, I probably shouldn't because it is like this like <laughs> mural there. They people just love it so much. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite sport other than basketball? Um I like watching football the most, but I kind of like following baseball. Just I can just follow baseball like through the app, and I sure. like following the stats. So I don't probably football, but football, football and baseball is like right there. Are we going leagues though? Are we talking leagues or? Oh, or we can sport? go as deep as you want. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say MLB. I follow the most. Right. I, I just for some reason love following the statistics in the MLB. 
No, for sure. I can, I can get lost in baseball reference pretty easily. Um, so what, which NFL and uh, MLB teams uh, are your allegiances? Uh, Dolphins uh, from back in the day. And chalk then, answer, chalk answer. Yeah, you, you, what did you fall in love with, like Jay Fiedler as a kid? No, it was you know. Remember Ace Ventura? Um, oh yeah, was oh, kind yeah. of a, a Dolphins movie. <laughs> oh, that sure. was when I was younger. Yeah. Marina was good then. I mean, I kind of wish I hadn't really liked him because then when it became the Jay Fiedler days, you know, yeah. not many playoff trips. Um, and then. The other team I liked growing up was the Cleveland Indians, and you know I think that had a lot to do with Major League, and the Indians were good then. They went to the World Series in 95-97. Uh, can't, can't underestimate the cultural impact yeah, of Ace know, maybe, Ventura. I mean, yeah. maybe we're going to have a whole generation of Thunder fans who watch Thunderstruck. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, have you seen that, that caught on like Ace Ventura. Have you seen Thunderstruck? I have, yes. Oh, my I God, it's awful. Was, yeah, it's terrible. It's so, so um, bad. I was in, they, they had the premiere in Oklahoma City. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that shouldn't be too surprising. No. But, uh, yeah. So I, I've I, seen it. Yeah, it's terrible. I felt bad for KD after that. I feel like he was probably talked into doing that by by someone, and it did not turn out well. Don't don't feel too bad. I'm sure he's got probably, I don't know how much money from him. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. Decent amount. Yeah. Um, and, again, I shouldn't be chiding you, I guess, as a Jaguars fan for your, for your Dolphins fanship. I mean, they have – They've had a little more success, I guess we could say, over the last decade. So just a couple more here. Uh, which player has been your favorite to talk or interact with on the Warriors? Or I guess you can open it up back to the Thunder, too. Um, Steven Adams, Okay. If, if we're going back there. Okay. I mean, Draymond for the Warriors, but Adams is, like, such an interesting guy with, I mean, his New Zealand background, obviously his 18 siblings and just his background. But mm-hmm. I just – the the – like lack of caring about like the NBA, um, I don't be the BS of the NBA at times. Like he didn't grow up even caring about the NBA. I remember his rookie year, like he didn't. They were about to play uh, the what have I think it must have been the Rockets at the time, and like he didn't even really know who Dwight Howard was. And he, like <laughs> he he kind of had to, had to get that explained to him. I remember one time his rookie year. It was it was preseason. They were playing the Bulls, and um, they were walking out to the court. And this was probably his like third pro game, and he was walking out to guard Mike Dunleavy because Mike Dunleavy was the same height as Joe Kim Noah. And Kevin Durant had to come over to him and be like, "Hey, no, you got Noah. That's the center." And he was like, "Oh, oh okay, my bad." Just like he just didn't know the league at all, and like he kind of has a he views the NBA in uh, in such an interesting lens because he just kind of thinks it's his job. But then he also like sees like what big business it is and how like how strange it can kind of be around it and you know especially off the record he'll he'll tell some number one funny stories and just have like funny thoughts about that. All right, we'll let you off on an easy one. Uh, rank these four point guards: Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, Kyrie, and John Wall. Ooh, that's good. Um... I'm gonna go last, Kemba Walker. Maybe I'll go. I'm with, I'm with you on that. Yeah, we'll start with. Yeah. We'll start from the back if you want. Yeah, um, I really like Wall, but you know he hasn't won anything. Right. Um, so it was it was uh, uh, Wall, Kyrie, and Kyle Lowry. Right. Like aesthetically, I would say like Wall and Irving one two, and then Kyle Lowry three. But like Kyle Lowry's been kind of just keeps proving people wrong with how good he's been. Yeah. So, man, 
I'll go Lowry, Irving, Wall, but like I don't even want to say that because like I like Wall's game more, but he's just like <laughs> he. I he don't know. I mean, he what has won? he really done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is what we're going to use when we tweet out the podcast. Like Anthony Slater bashes John Wall. Yeah, very. But uh, <laughs> it's tough though. I mean, I'm with you. Like Lowry, I'm the same way. Like I really don't like watching Kyle Lowry. I just he's not interesting to me. I it's there's no there's nothing about him that like is really as intriguing. Like with Wall, you have you know the showmanship. He's he's so athletic. He's so good on D. Kyrie's such a crazy ball handler. Kemba's got you know the clutch stuff. Like with Lowry, it's just he's. He's so solid at everything, but there's nothing, like, really overtly impressive about him. Or that team. I mean, like, look, they're, like, definitely the second-best team in the East, but do you guys want to see it? No. Cavs-Raptors nope. in the God, East no. Finals? Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's the biggest fear is, like, if LeBron goes down or Kyrie goes down, is, like, we get a Warriors-Raptors final. <laughs> I do get some Toronto trips potentially out of that, though, so. Oh, do you? Yeah, well, I guess we'll bonus question. Where is your favorite place to travel? Oh, um, man, I'm like one of those guys that likes something about every city, so it's tough for me to pick sure. one. I like Chicago, um, New York, except it's like really a hassle, but like once you're actually in New York, it's it's great. Um, L.A., I'll say L.A. Okay. All right, anything else, DJ? That's it. I'm, I'm just happy we could talk about Ardmore, Oklahoma, Stillwater, Oklahoma, <laughs> You know, Atlas, Midwest City, just trying to get as many names out there as I can. Pleasure to have you, Anthony. Muskogee. 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 There we go. And Oki from Muskogee. Uh, I like gonna, it. I was going to step out and <laughs> let you guys name Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thanks, man. We really appreciate it. Like I said, glad we were finally able to get you. Uh, you can read Anthony's work on MercuryNews.com. Subscribe to his Warriors podcast, Warriors All 82, uh, on iTunes. Anything else you want to plug, Anthony? No, that's it. I mean, I usually tweet all my workout online, and yeah, if anyone is looking for a podcast about the Warriors after every game, basically, um, they they can uh, search Warriors All 82 on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, perfect. And you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony B. Slater. All right, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. With the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.